0: Hey everyone, welcome to our season finale, episode 10 of Talking Trikes. I'm Kyle and I'm joined here with Darcy. Darcy, any news in the community? I you got um, a big weekend.
1: Uh, so well, by the time this comes out, it's already happened, but there's a massive weekend planned for Pedal Pre Racing in terms of Pedal Pre Racing we've seen this year. So we've got two velodrome races happening. One is a school showdown that's just happening on Sunday of Murray Bridge. And the other is a more of an open race with some really short races, which is so keen to do. I'm going to head out there. I'm going to cover it all, and oh, I'm looking forward to getting out again. Yep, it's so Well, busy. I'm
0: sure when this video's out, you'll uh your legs will be on fire and, and trying to recover from the weekend. So I'd love to. You. Uh, yeah, that sounds really good. So uh, tonight on the show we've got a special guest. Who have we got, Darcy?
1: Um, so we've got. Once again, a pretty big name. Uh, We thought we'd pick one of the biggest names for the finale. Um, Or, as we could say, one of the fastest names of the finale. So tonight on the show, joining us is Tim Corbett. So Tim Corbett is one of the most well-known people in the sport. Not in the current years, but in the past. So he owned and built the Phantom uh, Racing Team and the Trikes. As well as some of the well, well, some of the speed records that someone sitting right next to me has uh, done himself. So, can you tell me a little bit more about Tim Car?
0: Yeah, so Tim's been in the sport for longer than what I can remember, and I remember uh, some of his interesting designs early on. Uh, And then in, I think it was twenty twelve, his team bet the team I was racing for Aurora at Murray Bridge by a lap. But Anyway, Tim went on to focus on building speed bikes, which I'm sure we'll hear about, um, which no doubt, the fastest trike in the world. Um, So let's welcome on Tim and we'll hear a little bit more about it.
1: Before we begin tonight's show, we've got some breaking news from PedalPri, from the Australian International PedalPri. So... We have just received confirmation that they have been out at the new track at the bend called the bend. They are looking at some new potential track racing, which is going to be so cool because the bend is such a fast track and um, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. So let's see how the bend goes.
0: That's, that's pretty interesting. You, have you been to the track there, Darcy?
1: I haven't. I, I really haven't. I got stitched up in a couple uh, ways uh we'll talk to ben about that one later um yeah. but nah it's been uh, i really do want to go but from what i've heard it's one of the fastest tracks okay anyone's ever been around
0: yeah wow so is it pretty flat or is it just long and open or
1: it's long it's pretty open there's so many different types of tracks they can run um, the corners are really wide and fast and flowy um i saw speeds of over 65 kilometers an hour from people wow. so And the laps are really long as well. So almost, I think, around Mount Gambier sort of size. So it's going to be a pretty interesting track if uh, it goes ahead.
0: Yeah, you might have to pack a uh, spare tube just so.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Saddlebag on the back, you know.
0: (laughs) Uh, Very cool. That's pretty exciting. So we'll have to wait to see how
2: that uh, carries out. out.
0: Okay. So, hey, everyone. Here's Tim. Welcome on the show, Tim. How you been, bud?
2: Yeah, very well. Um, this whole um, COVID, uh, COVID scenario has been a, a little bit interesting, but, um, yeah, keeping well, keeping That's busy.
0: Yep. Yeah, happy to hear. So, Tim, we had a little bit of a rundown before we uh, introduced you, but first of all, we just want to know how you first got into the sport. Like, what brought you to trikes and these wacky mm. three wheel bikes?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I yeah, to... T- it was a long period of time actually that, uh, that it took me to get into sport. It really for me really hailed right back to high school. I, my older brother was involved with uh, the pedal pre team while I was in high school and you know, during my kind of formative years, um, I was probably 11 or 12 or something like that. saw my brother doing pedal pre. I, I really wanted to, to get involved and, and do it when I got into high school. Um, just because of some of the things that happened in high school clicks, I never got that opportunity. So that kind of that really bit of fire in my belly over a uh, over a period of time that that might sound a little bit um, I hate you all oh, I'm, I'm going to get you but I'm actually I'm I'm quite thankful for that in hindsight. Um, so then I never got the opportunity to do it in high school. So I'm like I'm I'm going to do this as a university project. I'm, I'm going to build one of these bikes. And so I went off with a with a camera. I think in. Um, 2000 and either 2001 or 2002 to the to the Murray Bridge 24-hour race and just you know bobbed around a lot of teams and took a lot of photos. Um, finally, um, the following year, did my fourth year engineering project. Um, really wanted to do something a bit different. There were a lot of people that, um, that were doing FEA and and kind of um, it seemed like a lot of people were doing that, and I wanted to kind of do something. Um, a bit new and a bit different than what a lot of other people were doing. So I decided at that stage that I was going to build a, uh, a monocoque bike. Mm. So this is back in about 2002 where I decided that I was going to build a monocoque bike rather than the traditional approach that most teams were, uh, were getting into. Um, it took us another year. I think 2003 was the first year that we competed at Murray Bridge. Um, and, uh, yeah, got I got a good dose of it that year. That was, that was a... A pretty interesting year for us. I mean, I don't think there were any years that weren't interesting for us. They were all um, every one of the trips that we did over to Murray Bridge was an interesting journey for us. But we just got more and more addicted over time. And uh, uh, after not long, it was like actually we were a bit of a challenge here. We're kind of one of the one of the major teams. We could we could actually finally win one of these. And so then there was kind of a about a three year period from about 2008 through 2011 where. Um, yeah, really lived and breathed, but nothing else other than the um, the win at Murray Bridge. So very thankful that um, we finally got there in in two thousand eleven. That was a pretty big year for us. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. it's a really cool history. So you, you've talked about that um, in two thousand eleven. So what are you doing now in terms of the sport? So you've you've taken a step back, but you've gone in a different direction. So what direction have you gone in?
2: Um, yeah, there's there's kind of Almost another complete history there again with what I've been doing with speed bikes for the last um, uh, like 12 or 13 years or something like that. Um, it actually almost goes all the way back to um, with the speed bike work that I've been doing through to 2005. Um, some people might remember the GT6 that we raced at um, various different South Australian races and a few Victorian races. Um, I always had dual goals for that bike. One was to build a, a wheels out, Kind of racing bike that would go around corners very fast, and then a, a wheels-in version. To um, um, I, at that stage, I looked at the 24-hour uh, world record and saw that it was only it was either 41 or 42 kilometers per hour, mm. and uh, I thought that that was um, pretty low-hanging fruit. At that stage, so I was planning to build a um, from that GT bike that we built in 2005. I was always planning to build a wheels-in speed bike. Mm. From that fairing And so Fast forward a few years It wasn't until about um, uh, About 2010 Where I actually got serious about that And built a, the first um, Wheels in bike version um, Of a speed bike um,
0: So for to the listeners to the, Can sorry? you give a brief Like description of The differences Between a, a pedal pre-bike And then a speed mm. bike Like the major
2: difference? Um, yeah, major differences. So obviously, the speed bike's a lot smaller. Um, very, very focused on aerodynamic effects. So the shape of the bike is um, absolutely critical. So in most of the pedal pre-bikes that you see, the, the widest point is, is maybe about one-third, to at most one-half the way along the bike. Mm-hmm. In the speed bike, you typically find that the widest point is, um, is a good bit further back from that. Um, But for people that are, I guess, accustomed to looking at um, pedal pre-bikes, you know, track width typically around 600 millimetres and a bike that's in the range of, you know, maybe 800 millimetres wide, um, for a competitive speed bike, you're looking at something in the the order of kind of 450 to 500 millimetres wide overall bike width and a track width for a three-wheeler around the kind of 400, 450 millimetre mark. So much narrower, much more compact. Of course, you've been in my bike uh, several times, Kyle, and been um, extremely successful. Yeah. Um, so a lot narrower and um, the shape is, is very critical. Uh, and also I've probably spent a lot more time focusing on aerodynamic effects of, mm. of the wheels and the enclosures around the wheels and then how that works. So um, in, far, in terms of how they ride, they, they, it feels very similar. Your pedal free bike i would suggest i mean you've you've ridden the speed bike how, how would you describe it <laughs>
0: just faster <laughs> yep. faster and smaller yeah um yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely that's, a, that's that's a
2: good summary <laughs> yeah
0: yeah they are they're just a lot more snug um tim's speed bike that i had all my success and records in um there's no other way to describe it as just super efficient like you you're amazed at when you're riding around the speeds that you're doing and you're thinking, is that right? Am I actually going that fast? And yeah, I'm going yep. that fast. so yeah, it's, it's definitely it's just kind of, cool. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. The, other um, thing, the bikes are super, the way that Tim builds his bike, it's super noisy inside. Like it, it is, noisy. it's pretty
2: <laughs> noisy in there. I think most people, you know, they, they see bikes, the the, the pedal three bikes has been pretty noisy. Um, the, the bike that I have is noisier again. It is extremely well sealed up. Um, there's there's no air getting into or out of it other than where we want it to come in and out. Mm. Um, so those um, uh, the cooling uh, cooling airflow coming through the bike is, is very very controlled. Mm. Um, as Kyle suggested, it's it's definitely very snug. Um, <laughs> and we you know you really have to focus on all of those items in order to get the bikes to run a heck of a lot faster. So. Um, yeah, I've I've really been focused on the on, on the, the the high end aspects of the sport for the last uh, the last ten years or so, and that's been a. Um, it has been a long journey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: Right. That's pretty crazy. So, have you picked up any records, Tim?
2: Or how uh, many have you picked I, up? Is probably the question. <laughs> personally, I um I, I did get a few Australian records at one stage. Um, since then, both um Kyle and Ned have have kind of um uh have improved on those um i did for a um i originally used a pedal pre-bike uh to attempt the six hour australian record and i did 43.3 kilometers per hour for, for six hours wow um, i'd actually i'd spent uh a winter in colorado in the u.s so i did a bunch of high altitude chaining <laughs> and uh, Came back off that thinking that uh, that'd, that'd be the bestest training in the world to um, to do a, a good six-hour attempt. I'd have lots of extra red blood on, so I'd go very, very fast. Um, so, yeah, I was pretty happy with 43.3 at that stage. Um, since then, I've um, built a range of speed bikes. Um, my, my personal best for six hours, I think, was... Um, uh, I should know what this is. It's uh, It was 54 point... Wow. Something... Kilometers per hour for six hours and uh, 52, point, uh, 52 point something for, for 12 hours. That was when I was attempting the world um, 24 hour solo. Yeah. Um, I attempted that. I don't remember what year it was now. It might have been 2016. 2016, because I yeah, came down. You, you, yeah. you know the stats better than I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, 2016 was actually, I, I was originally attempting in 2015, um, but I got glandular fever and that really, that knocked the stuffing out of me about two months out from when, uh, when I was going to attempt. Um, So, so then I, that was leading into the summer um, of 2000, at the end of 2015, Mm. um, took a break for a couple of months and recovered and then trained all the way through the summer to attempt over Easter 2016. Yeah. Um, and, again, I got sick about four weeks out. Um, I was looking at my power figures a lot during that period. Um, I'd been doing a lot of test work at the Geelong Belladrome. Um, and I kind of I, – I, I burnt my candle at both ends and I I, I got sick. I uh, I probably had enough in the tank to break the record. Uh, but I, I just – it turns out that I, I don't have – I can't eat enough. Basically, um, the 24-hour attempt is is really it's an eating race with some cycling thrown in for fun. And a quote, um, Jesse Carlson. There, he didn't he didn't make that um, quote around 24-hour uh, racing. He made that around his um, Trans Am whim in the um, in his race across America that he won when he went and raced that. Um, but I think it's a great quote. You know, it's it's uh, it's an eating race with some uh, some cycling thrown in for fun. And um, I thought I was a pretty good eater, but I, I just I ran out of my ability to keep the carbs going in and I I fell in a hole at about 13 to 14 hours. So, Mm. um, I just, after that, I accepted that, um, it doesn't, doesn't matter what I do, that I was was never going to be able to fix that problem. (laughs) Um, I shouldn't say that. I, I, I think I probably could, but that, um, just the way life is at the moment, that's, that's now well beyond me. And I'm, I'm very happy to have moved on from there and have, um, other passionate people riding my bike such as Kyle and Ned, yeah. um, uh, jump in and and make my uh, make my bikes look pretty fast. It's <laughs> it's, it's really quite pleasing um, mm. seeing yeah. somebody rip down the main straight at uh, at Ford Proving Ground doing um, the, the, the the top end of eighty kilometres per hour down the down the front straight. It's um it's it's quite impressive.
0: Yeah, That's it's one awesome. thing being in it too, doing it. Yep. Yeah. yeah so just for the listeners um like when I, I did my um one hour was it it was last
2: last year yeah last year yeah Easter last year, that's yeah. right well your uh, second one hour you did one in two thousand and sixteen yeah well? after your twenty four attempts um,
0: yeah yeah so basically that was the first time I'd probably met tim and and he finished his attempt and climbed out and. And uh, I rolled up, and there's so many adjustments, like the, the the length of basically anything can adjust, so it can suit a rider, you know. Mm.
2: <laughs> there's, there's only two things that I can really adjust in the bike, and, and one is a uh, pedal boom length, and the other is um is, is crank length. <laughs> so cars <laughs> busy telling everything can right adjusted it. in it, but the only two things I can adjust is pedal boom length and 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 um. And, uh, and crank length, so I just I messed around with those a little bit, specifically for um, for Kyle ahead of his <laughs> first one hour attempt in 2016. Yeah. Um, and so at that stage, Gareth Hanks had the uh, the Australian one hour record at 73.6 kilometers per hour, which um, after coming off a failed 24 hour attempt, I just I thought that that was um, we were never ever going to beat that. That that was in my heart. I'm like, all right, well. This has been fun, but um, maybe time to pack up the sticks and, and go home. But um, Kyle comes in. I didn't really, really know Kyle. Kyle, uh, Kyle jumps in the bike and, um, and rips off, you know, first few laps at like 78, 79, 80 Ks an hour. Uh, and I'm like, no, he's, he's going to blow up. He's going to blow up. Blow up. <laughs> and he, uh, anyway, he, he held it on and he, and he stuck with um, with his 77.3 in um in 2016, which was just, that was, that was a, there was a huge moment for me, even though I wasn't riding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that was really cool, man. So yeah. taking us back to when you were racing for pedal pre well, racing yep. in pedal pre, can you tell us some of your favorite or least favorite moments in the sport? Mm,
2: favorite moments. Yeah. I, um, yeah. yeah favorite moment was i can still remember it very clearly actually 2011 um when we when we won um it was not so much the end of the race that i mean that was that was memorable as well but i can remember getting the uh, the fastest lap for our category um and i got it shortly after midnight Um, (laughs) i yeah it was most people get their fastest lap on lap one it's the only time you get clean racing Um, we, we played a pretty strategic game, uh, that year. We, it was funny, interesting going into that race. We, we, we were a bit cooked and, and we didn't really, we didn't think we had what it was going to take to, um, to win that race. Um, I'm, I'm getting back to the, to the, to the midnight, um, um, saga, but we, we thought we were beat and there was, there was one guy that stood up beforehand and was like, nah, I'm going to start the race. And suddenly kind of the attitude started changing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, um, yeah, Ross Gary coming after one hour, our first rider in, in second spot. And it was kind of like, actually, hey, we might be, we might be in with a chance this year. <laughs> um, so we, we were playing it pretty cool for the first six or seven hours. We were, we were just kind of cruising around. It was a very hot race. Um, we had fans in our bike and we were basically just taking it easy, really, for the first six or so hours. Um, to make sure we didn't bake ourselves prior mm. to the, you know, the, the whole rest of the race, um, we had our fans operating. We turned those off at about like eight or nine o'clock or something that night, um, and uh, and then we actually started to to turn the um, turn the pressure up at, at later on in the evening. And so I remember jumping in the bike. Um, it was either my second or third stint. We were having some kind of um, I think we were having vision issues, and we'd swapped to our uh, as it was our main lid, um, which is not really set up for nighttime riding, um, i I'd, I'd, I'd been doing this wacky thing where I'd made up a set of plastic um, bags to go over my legs. Um, nice little trick for uh, for people. Part of the one, if you think about windows fogging on your oh. bike, there's, oh. there's there's a few different ways you can stop it. Right, there's a lot of people that do double glazing a lot of people that do cheese graters. Um, there's there's people now that have fancy setups that come in from the nose and, uh, and shoot up and over their screen. Um, we didn't have quite enough air going through our nightly. So we'd actually taken our, our lid off to do some adjustments to it and we put our lid back on. Mm. Nobody else wanted to ride. So I jumped in and put the leg bags on. <laughs> and so it captures all the sweat from your legs. And so you don't have dirty air in the front half of the bike. And it's, it's actually, that was that was one little neat trick that we had. And there was nobody else on the team that was prepared to do that. So anyway, I was a bit angry. I uh, pulled my leg bags on. I said, try to get the bloody lid off. Um, you fix that up. I'll go ride for 40 minutes or an hour or something like that. And um, I just, I was in the zone. I, everything was, uh, how to describe it. I, everything felt like it was happening with both the fast forward and the slow motion button at the same time. Everything was coming at me real fast, but everything felt like it was in slow motion. And I just yeah. I remember coming around the, um, the Channel 7 corner on the top end of the course, and I got a good run through, and I'm like, oh, I'm actually carrying a bit of speed here. And I just it felt like there was no traffic. And I just, I, I was ripping it up for uh, for three or four laps in a row. And, the, you know, the, the guys on the team come out waving things at me, going lap record, lap record. And, um, yeah, best moment in cycling for me was that, um, was that stint that night getting angry wow. uh, <laughs> secret that's, that's crazy, crazy. Uh, uh, double legs <laughs> yeah, yeah and um, I, I had this pair of chaps bags that I'd, uh, that I'd made and strapped on and, uh, and off I went I, um, wow. Wow. I made a b- bunch of them up for everybody else on the team but no one else would wear them
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: that's crazy and what about, um, about worst memory or moment that you can recall
2: Okay, so um, moving on to the probably the worst uh, one of the worst things that happened uh, within Team Phantom. At least um, I've had probably forty-eight hours to contemplate this question since you first asked it, Kyle. But um, um, I feel quite passionate about answering this one properly, and I and people will see come with some of the things that I've done and have really been quite successful with what I'm doing. But what I'd like to instill on people is that for every major success and, and every, every you know, major outcome that we've had, there's probably been at least two to three times as much um, failure that's gone along with them. So in terms of, like, you know, really poor things, really bad things that have happened with, um, within, within Team Phantom, uh, I'm going to talk about two different occasions, actually. One of them was, um, I think, back 12 months before winning Murray Bridge in 2011, um, we, were, we were getting ready for one thaggy. Um, and one of the worst things that happened was um, 24 hours before the event, um, we were pretty concerned about fogging and uh, I uh, logged down in Thaggy. Most of our team was based in Thaggy, and uh, pretty concerned about fogging, so I jumped in the bike and you know rode off uh, into a hill somewhere at night time out the back of, uh, out the, back of uh, the local guy's shed and I had no idea where I was going, You know, trying to work really hard to get the bike to fog up and um, I just I got lost. I, I didn't know where I was, and I rolled the bike. It was um, it was pretty terrible. Um, not so much because of the damage it was done to the bike. There was there was certainly some scratching and uh, and so forth, and it hurt a lot of people's pride, and particularly my own. Um, but that really that upset our team, and it took us probably a couple of months to get over that. Um, we we were at each other for you know 24 to 48 hours after that event. And um, we, uh, as it happened, we still had fogging the next night. So, you know, we didn't solve the problem, Um, you know, and I look back at that and I kind of go, well, you know, there's a pretty bad outcome. I, I, um, uh, it it was a terrible outcome. I don't regret trying to go out and, uh, and test to see whether or not the bike fogged, but, you know, if I had my time over again, I'd still go out, I'd still ride, but, I'd, uh, I'd try and pick somewhere that I knew better, somewhere that was a bit safer than where we were doing it and um, see if we could get the same thing to happen again. I um, could go on for quite a while about it, but um, I just, uh, that, that, was, that was pretty terrible. It us a long time to get over it, but it, um, we did eventually get past it. So that was probably the worst thing that happened while I was inside a bike. Um, but another one that weighs pretty heavily on me um, if we get into the, the speed biking side of things, um, we think back to uh, 2013. Uh, I was meant to be attempting a six hour attempt, but for whatever reason, I couldn't do it. But Wade Edwards popped his hand up and he was, he was super keen, super keen. He jumped in, uh, uh, came on down when we were living in Torquay, and um, he attempted the six hour record in the first speed bike that I built that was called uh, the Phantom TT and uh, he'd been averaging like 63 k's an hour or something like that for the better part of three and a half hours and um, a fairing mount popped and just we couldn't get the bike going again Uh, we did eventually get it going half an hour later but by then it was over and um, uh, that that was the end of that attempt for him which was was pretty disappointing Um, but then we kind of made a bit of a pact together and one of the mistakes that i made in the next six months, was that I, I committed to doing something with Wade that I couldn't deliver on, um, but uh, anyway, Wade uh, he set aside six to eight months and he trained like an absolute devil. He got on a got on a ventilator, high altitude training with uh, with this ventilator, and um, he set aside six to eight months of his life to have a good old crack at the the, the six hour solo. Uh, we completely built the um rebuilt the, the bike we transformed the tt into the mini t we uh, we cut a lot of length out of the bike we cut width we cut height out of the bike and and wade um really helped to drive me to get a lot of that kind of work done and i'm, I'm forever thankful for that but um the, the bike wasn't finished he set aside you know six to eight months of his life to have a crack at the six hour record and um he didn't even get to attempt the bike was a dog it just the the first time we rode it it just didn't get there and um it, that got pretty wild for a little while. I know Wade was he was really angry. Um and you know we've we've since gotten past that as well. I'm you know quite um quite fortunate and glad to, to call Wade a a close friend of mine. And um so then he, he got a, a bulged disc in his lower back. You know, and dream's over. He, 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 he can't come at it again. And um, for, you know, I say again, for, for every success that we had, there's, there's been some horror stories that, um, maybe not horror stories, but just it doesn't, you, you don't always win. You, <laughs> uh, you, you've got to be prepared to stay at these things for a long period of time. You know, it took us the better part of 10 years of time with, uh, with the Phantom team while pedal pre-racing to go from a beginner team to being, you know, mildly competitive to actually being in the mix. And it took us the better part of three years to, you know, to, to really to, to crack a couple of major victories. Um, and I would say that, you know, the same thing happened with all of my speed biking work as well. So um, yeah, that's, um, that's that one.
0: Okay. So, so talking about little uh, like alterations and things that you have to do during the race, if you were to give, like, based on the racing that you see now in pedigree, if there are a couple of little tips that majority of teams could take from, um, to improve their racing or improve their bike, is there anything that stands out? Just a couple of little you know, pieces of advice.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, make sure you toe in and toe out is set properly. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and know how to fix it quickly. Mm-hmm. I, I just we, we we had a couple of bung races where we bent a track rod or a track rod vibrated loose on us, and we we're running with some ridiculous amount of toe in, and it was just it was a little insidious thing that it took us like six or eight hours of of lost time to figure out what was going on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, get your toe in and toe out set properly. Do it when you've got somebody sitting in the bike. Your toe in and toe out can change. Um, on On most bikes that I see there's there 's a bit of flex in the um, in the main column that uh, that holds the two front wheels together mm-hmm. set your toe on and toe out with your bike sitting on the rider and um, uh, yeah make sure that 's right that that might sound a bit uh, funny because there 's a lot of things that i um that i I know about how to make bikes go fast but um, get your toe in and toe out right <laughs> you really want to um Build a fast bike. I'd um, I'd, I'd focus on settling off your front wheels. That's mm. that's pretty much the philosophy that we've taken to designing bikes. So I did some test work. Um, probably the Again, uh, a little bit off topic here, but one of the one of the biggest things that I did was I bought a power tap hub and, uh, and laced it into a uh, 20 inch wheel so I could go do some testing on a bike. And um, we. We learned so much from, from doing that and, and understanding, you know, how much power you put into a bike to make it go at different speeds. Mm. Uh, very quickly threw away our wheels out bike. Um, mm. Having bits that stick out in the air is just a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah. Um, you know, I came into, into Pedalbury thinking that I'd have this really narrow bike and that because of that, I'd have less cross-sectional area. I'd have the wheels outside the bike and that'd be a really good aerodynamic design. Um, I did one test where I, I cut the roll cage off that bike after an event. I did a test with and without it. And that made a, it was like whether a 10 or a 12% difference in speed that the bike was running at, like 12% okay. just from cutting a little piece of roll cage off the outside of the bike. Wow. That's um, huge. I decided five minutes later that we just, we had to drop the wheels out bike that we were riding. Mm. Um, of course that was probably apparent, you know, having a wheels out bike was, was not a good design decision So. Everybody else in the sport, but um, yeah, once I saw that data, I just i, I dropped it. it. It was, we didn't do anything more with it, and so then, um, rather than trying to build a new fairing, I um uh got in contact with John Taylor and said, Hey, can we um, can we get one of your fairings, please? <laughs> um, so uh, trying to answer your um, I'm, I'm kind of going around in circles here a little bit, set your toe and toe out, um build your bike around sealing off your front wheel holes completely mm. from the rest of your bike. Um, but uh, yeah, get some kind of power management device on your mm. bike and just go out and test stuff. It's um, point, that yeah. data all that that'll tell you very quickly what you should and shouldn't be doing with bikes. So yeah. Yeah. biggest advice for race teams who are, who are really keen to uh, improve their performance, get a power tap, get an SRM, get, you know, Power meters are so inexpensive these days. Um, yep. Get a set of vectors. I don't know, just get something in your bike, get out there and, and start learning. You know, yep. try, try different tires, try different wheels. Try setting your toe in and toe out, out by three or four millimeters and see what difference it makes. Mm. Cut holes in your screen, measure it. Um, you'll very quickly learn what you should and shouldn't be doing in a race. Mm. Power measurement. That's a good one. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. All
2: right. All right.
0: Tim, um, before we get on to some quick fire questions, in yep. your entire history in the sport, do you, do you have like a something that stands out, a most impressive performance? Like this could be anything that you've seen training or racing. Does does anything stand out for you?
2: Yeah, I um, I best. Uh, I'm gonna i say Ned Volk in um, 2000 and. Uh, 17 or 18 when he was attempting the 24 hour that was um that was impressive uh it was, was a bit loose there at different stages obviously that that particular event didn't end well um but that was that was hugely impressive um of course your your one hour your, your 81.6 that was um that was pretty impressive for me so those two kind of those rate those rate right up there for me mm-hmm. yeah
0: that's no, cool. And what about? Uh, have you seen any really poor, poor uh, performances or anything like that? From you know anything funny
2: or Oh just- uh, um I don't know. There's, there's been so much funny stuff that I've seen <laughs> over the years. Um, I I got the biggest blast from watching the um, two thousand eight through about um, two thousand seven through about two thousand nine. There was a bike that was called the Shark um wasn't particularly well um wasn't wasn't a particular speedster at all It was probably the slowest bike on the course but it was fun i uh i love that bike um poor old sort of primary school kids that were peddling this bike around for, for 24 hours they um i think they needed more passion to, to to ride their bikes around for 24 hours than what we did but um, yeah that was um i i don't want to make fun of them but it was it was um that was kind of cool i liked it yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, I don't know, if the top of my head, i have to think about that for a minute and um, take a few cuts at it on <laughs> um, things. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of, lot of fun stuff. Um, is
1: there a plan for the future to return to the grid? I think that's what we all want to know.
2: We all want to know. Yeah, um, I, I think we're going to come back and, and have a race. Um, I don't think we're going to be super competitive, but I am, um, I am in the progress of rebuilding the old S chair. A lot of people would know what that bike was, and that was the the precursor to our to our Phantom bikes that um, that we did so well with. So I'm I'm cutting and shutting the old S chair and putting it into um, one of. Uh, I managed to pick up a a, a second fairing from John Taylor. Oh. So we're, we're cutting and shutting oh. the S chair. We're fitting it into the um the old Phantom bike. A lot of the old guys on the team they're all keen to uh, come back for a ride. Um, look, COVID restrictions. Uh, Hopefully, if Juan runs next year, we'll be we'll be there for a ride to um, oh, catch up yeah. with the boys again and, and, and go we have it there. first. There,
1: ladies and gentlemen, yeah. we have it first. Yeah, <laughs> that's it'll awesome. Be, we'll
2: be there. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Actually, it'll yeah. be good to get back on the grid and have a bit of a ride around. Um, not so much to, uh, to to beat the pants off people, but just to um, just to uh, just to have some fun. It'll be good.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Tim, what about um, any future plans other than that? Like, what what else do you maybe have going on in the future?
2: Yeah, so obviously, still very keen with the speed bikes. Um, I've been I've been dreaming of heading over to uh, Battle Mountain now for for quite a while. Um, obviously, you're aware of that one, Kyle, and uh, yeah. and keen to come over for the trip with me. Um, there's a few other people that will um will probably be involved over the next few years with um with the kind of things that we're doing. So. We're definitely planning to take the, um, the, the Mini-T, the bike that we have at the moment, over to, um, to Battle Mountain and have a shot at the, um, the outright multi-track record that um, Gareth Hanks has. So just for, for, for viewers at home, Gareth currently has the, the multi-track um, world record at 119 kilometers per hour. Um, there's, this, there's this piece of roadway out in, um, out in the High Plains in Nevada. Uh, it 's about uh an elevation I think one point six or one point seven kilometers somewhere around there and we 've got this great big long dead straight five uh, eight mile course it 's all just ever so slightly downhill um it 's where all the world records get set and um we're we're keen to go and take that bike over and um have a have a shot at the multi track record so um, uh, building towards that and um we have a, a bit of a new sneaky um sneaky Concept that we're working on in the background. That um, over the next kind of two, three, uh, I kind of see it as a four-year project. We're planning on breaking um, the outright uh, the outright world record, which is 144 kilometers per hour, uh, and the outright uh, one-hour record. So we're, we'll be we'll be looking to try and break both of those over the next three, four years. So patched a bit of a, a cunning plan. I am. Um, I can't talk too much about it I think once once people understand what we're up to they'll uh, they'll there'll be a lot of people that will go guys are crazy it's It's never going to work uh but I think the some of the smarter people in the small will acknowledge once we uh, once we arrive with our concepts they'll go ah oh, yeah that that took some balls but that's that's Somebody should have done it by now. Yeah. So yeah, we're, um, we're 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 working on something, and we're are um, keen. And at some point, once we've um, once we've actually built and tested, we'll um, we'll let people know what we're up to. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it is it is pretty cool. Uh, what's going on behind the scenes there? But we'll have to wait and see. So yeah, look out. So moving on now. Darcy yeah. and myself I've got some quick fire questions or some drivers, They're pretty random. Darcy. Yeah. Dusty. You want to take us off?
1: All right, Tim.
2: What is your favourite track? Um, Ford Proving Ground. I love it. It's right. um, I most people are like it's Murray Bridge the whole way, but actually, <laughs> um, yeah. I I know this is quick fire, but I'm I'm going to talk to this one just shortly. I, I I thought about this question for a while. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm going to talk to it. I, why do I what do I prefer Ford more? I I um, realising recently that, um, that actually I, I prefer the, the, the solo aspects of the sport and I, I really like the, um, the, the clarity that you get out there. There's, there's not 500 bikes coming at you. It's, um, it's, it's very purist and um, it, it's kind of, it's clean. I, I really do like heading out the forward. It's uh, something I look forward to every year. Okay. So talking about
0: that, in your 24-hour tent or any, any stint, but I'm going yep. to show you 24-hour tent. What yes. was the strangest thing that you ate or drank?
2: Whoa. No, <laughs> strangest thing I, I I I drank. Yeah, I um, uh, I, I got a bit loose with my eating schedule later in the piece, and I got somebody to put a um, one of those little fizzy tablets in with with one of my drink bottles, and um, I think two of them might have got might have got thrown in, and I remember making some jokes about it at the time, but I think I had a, a fizzy tablet. I wanna say it was thrown in a um, in a bottle of milk, but it wasn't actually. It was just water. Um, there was it, it was a new fizzy tablet. Uh, lesson for you all: don't change your nutrition when you uh, when you don't try something new in a race. For some reason, I thought it was a good idea. Um, yeah, don't do that. Um, strangest thing that uh, that that I do and that I've eat, I would say, is milk. I uh, I got big on on drinking milk in uh, in races. Um, people find it a bit crazy, but particularly for a 24 hour event. I, after a while, I, I got on a drinking milk. It's good. Uh, yeah. Oh, hey. All right. That's the answer. Sorry. Here we go. Yeah, that's a strange. Ask one. the question again, cut it and go again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tim. So yep. what, what
1: event or what performance puts you most in the box? Like which one hurt the most out of all of them you've done?
2: Yeah the, um, yeah, the 24-hour solo, there was, there, there was a lot of hurt with that one. Yeah, mm. that, um, I, I don't think I'm going back there again. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Now, uh, would you rather, in a race, the quickest lap in the race or in qualifying for your team?
2: Mm. Yeah, no, in the race. Mm. Yeah. yeah it, you've, you've, you've got to be able to deal with the traffic.
1: Yeah. All yeah. right, uh, Tim? Uh, Would you rather start the race or finish the race? Start. Start, yep.
2: Okay,
0: okay. Uh, My quickfire question is, what is your pre-race meal? Do you have a palmer or a palmy? Oh,
2: palmy all the way. Yep, palmy. Oh, what? (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: yes. Yeah, we've got. I'm gonna going go with the high of the hydro with Darcy. Yeah, palming all the way. There we go. About, there we go. I need to be banished. I swear. Sorry, you can't Whoa. ride the bike anymore, Kyle. So He's like, be riding his bike.
1: I <laughs> was shocked. That was shocking. I was like, oh, here we go again. And I was bloody Victorian. And, yes. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> palming yep. yep. for the win. All I right. I don't
1: remember my next question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, uh, yeah. All right, Tim, would you rather roll the trike or ride in abysmal conditions?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll go with abysmal conditions. Mm. Yeah. I'll put my okay. legs on and go. Let's go. Yeah. 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 All right. My last
0: question is a would you rather <clears throat> you're in the middle of a 24 hour race. Now you can't fix either of the problems. Would you rather race the rest of the 24 hour with no brakes? Or
2: no gears. Oh. No gears. Yeah. That's fair. Safety, safety. Yeah, yeah safety. no, you can't ride without brakes. Yep. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people make gags about brakes for the other guys, but you might not use them that often. But when you need them, you've you got to hit them. Mm. Yeah, You'll end yeah. your race without brakes. You won't, you just, the, the race is over.
1: Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right. I think I've got one more question. What is the nicest looking trike or racing trike vehicle you've ever seen, Tim?
2: Oh, nicest looking.
1: Um, we got him on one.
2: <laughs> um, trying to think, what's what's been a, a really really well presented and finished. I oh, like the um, loved the flame job that um that was on the. F- first bullet fairing that um that came with maiden gully primary school um john taylor's bikes the uh, the, the team that brought that over was just that was an that, that, that was an impressive paint job for the time and for what other teams are doing
0: yeah yeah oh there we go all right well i'm all out of questions what about what about you darcy you got any more
1: yeah i think i'm all out so it's time to wrap it up i guess sorry right. tim Thank you so much for coming on the season finale of Talking Trucks. It's been awesome talking to you. And I think a lot of people are going to get some insights out of this uh, fun interview.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, Tim, it's been awesome having having you on. Um, Tonight, our episode is our season finale for season one. Um, We're going to be bringing some more content, you know, over summer. But uh, if anyone does want to reach out, you can through Instagram or Facebook. But uh, we'll look forward to seeing you all for season two of Talking Trikes. So everyone stay safe and have a good time. Thanks again, Tim.
1: Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see you for season two of Talking Trikes. Thanks, guys. See ya. That was great. Tim, what you said before and Kyle's question. me That got me, man. That really did I'm gonna save that video. I might have to have that as my ringtone.
2: (laughs) Instant replay. Palmy, pal me, pal me.